Welcome back to the Clemson Podcast, the Tennessee Volunteers. Clemson's number one, and life is good. Welcome back, everyone. I'm your host, Nick. Good to be back on the show. I'm joined this evening from the friendly confines of our new San Francisco studio with my co-hosts, Ben and Cody. This is our season recap episode. Uh, we were here in the middle of December, uh, kind of in the lull here before the college football playoff starts. And um, boys, looking forward to breaking down this season. Um, been a while since I've been on this show. You guys have been doing a great job keeping the keeping the house intact, holding the fort down. How's it been otherwise? Yeah, man, you've uh, you've moved out of your place here in San Francisco, moved up north, and took took our uh, recording studio with you. Yep, moved up to the Burbs, but good to be back hanging out with you guys here. I'd like to point out that we've actually upgraded studio space. We can. Yeah, why weren't we here all we along? We can see the Golden Gate Bridge from here. Well, you know, the office just recently <laughs> opened. Um, but yeah, it's nice. We actually look semi-professional. If you could see us now, before we were in a garage, really dimly lit. Um, had a bucket that Cody used to pee in, uh, in between, <laughs> in between uh, uh, takes. Uh, so yeah, here we are. Cody, how you doing, man? I'm good. I, I agree with. Uh, I I hate you, suck. We look like a bunch of frat boys. We're, we're, I guess we're too old to be frat boys now. But that's what we look like, like tech frat bros. Before, when we were in the garage. No, that's what we look like now. Oh, okay. Yeah, you are wearing your Here glasses Francisco, today. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, anyway, we're now recording a podcast, guys. So um, this is our season recap. Um, amazing year. Beginning of this, we we just want to lay the context down for a recap of the season. And um, clearly the contributions of the players and coaching made this number one ranking for Clemson possible heading into the playoff and really this playoff berth. Um, and we want to take this episode to just go back, relive it. Um, it's an exciting time as a Clemson fan. And it, you know, obviously we're very focused on playing Alabama third year in a row coming up here, but um, want to take the chance to just go back and relive some of this season and acknowledge um, some of the highlights. We'll do that for the most part during our awards section of this show um, where we'll kind of take a look at some of the, the high moments throughout the year. Um, but for the most part, I, I did want to kind of lay the groundwork, guys, and, and talk through um, just how good of a season it was. And I think when we think back, it's um, you can start by just thinking about expectations. And clearly coming off a national championship, you know, the end of the Deshaun Watson era, the end of the um, really that, that magical class that came in, you know, 2015 kind of overachieved, maybe arrived a year early. Came so close, didn't win it. Came back, um, you know, rematched Alabama, took took care of business. Coming into this year, you know, I think our expectations going back and listening to our preview episode ranged, you know, kind of on the low end from, yeah, three losses. Um, we had some predictions of that or kind of being okay with three losses. 
to really, you know, at the ceiling thinking this was a fringe playoff team if things broke the right way. Um, you know, Ben, you said at one point we would have needed kind of the number one defense and like a Lamar Jackson type breakout year, 65% passing from KB um, to, to have that type of season where we could compete for a title. And while we didn't exactly get that, I mean, defense was number two. Um, and, you know, Kelly Bryant only threw for 200 yards and ran for 50. I mean, still had a, a heck of a year. And that's kind of where, why we are where we are here. Um, we ended up barely losing one game. Here we are facing off again against Alabama. Um, and what's interesting is I want to talk in a moment with you guys about, like, how do we get to this point? How is Clemson here without that type of, like, you know, we were clearly, you know, we are number one, but it wasn't like the 2015, 2016 level Clemson teams. Um, but what's interesting here is the advanced stat projections at the beginning of the year look very similar to how we ended the year. And, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily think a lot of that, it didn't exactly match kind of how we, we expected things to play out, but um, we had some highs and lows. I think we had a lot of overachieving happening on the offensive side um, and potentially we'll get into some of the coaching and play calling, you know, things got a little conservative at moments, uh, but we ended up number one, you know, barely one loss, won the ACC third year in a row. Um, so, you know, it was a wonderful year, I think. And, um, yeah, I mean, but I don't necessarily think that we overachieved on offense by any stretch of the imagination because it's not like we were going out there and running people off the field, right, on offense. I mean, like you mentioned, I thought at the beginning of the year that a number one defense was going to big uh, be a big part of the puzzle for this team's success um, combined with a solid year from Kelly Bryan. And I think he did about hit that 65% mark. He averaged 100 yards less passing this year than Deshaun Watson did last year, but we weren't asking him to be Deshaun Watson. He also turned the ball over a lot less than Deshaun Watson did last year. This was a different type of football team coming into this year, and I think that's why it was a bit of an un unknown and why we thought multiple losses and missing out on the college football playoff and not winning the ACC was a, was a likely possibility. Um, but that just goes to show you that this team has moved up to an elite level. Elite teams year in and year out don't always have to win the same way because especially in college, players cycle in and out of the program. Uh, they come in, they graduate, they go to the NFL or they transfer, right? Whereas in the NFL, you tend to keep a lot of your star players for a long period of time. So it's, it's different in college. So to, to get to that elite level, you have to be able to weather that turnover. And that's what this Clemson team did this year. They were built on defense. And then you had an offense that played pretty solid all year long. There was a little bit of a kind of a hiccup in the middle of the season with some of the downfield passing game. But what you did see was improvement and steady play. And that had a lot to do why this team is the number one team in the country right now. Ben, I want to maybe stick with the offense. And I think you're right. Maybe I misspoke related to overachieving. Um, it, I, I think I go back to expectations, though, and, you know, during the preseason, during the fall camp, during the preview episode and the, the period where we were talking about things, I think we had a big question mark around Kelly Bryant. Yeah, I think and, maybe what you meant to say is they overachieved based on what our expectations were because they surely yeah. surpassed our expectations. Exactly. And maybe flipping this in the form of a question, I wanted to hear just how would you have graded out Kelly Bryant's season relative to what you thought, you know, this would look like coming into the year? possibly even thinking he might not even last, you know, six games as a starter. Right. And and part of that was we saw a likely scenario given what our schedule is like at the beginning of the season with a really good Auburn team, with a, a Louisville team that returned Lamar Jackson and a Virginia Tech team on the road there. And all that within the first, what, five games of the year. 
if you see Clemson at three and two or even two and three at that point in the season with no clear path to an ACC championship or college football playoff berth and Kelly Bryant maybe playing some shaky football, then why not? Uh, what does it hurt you to go ahead and throw Hunter Johnson or Zarek Cooper in there? So that's kind of a scenario we played out. It seems a possibility of how Kelly Bryant wouldn't make it through the season or um, how this offense wouldn't succeed. But that wasn't the case. Uh, you know, he came out early. Yeah, we only put up 14 points against Auburn, but that's the best defense we, we've seen all year. Right. And he managed that game. He didn't make mistakes. He accounted for the two scores in that game. and The defense did what they had to do. They they held and we won that game. And then you saw uh, we go out and blow out Louisville and Virginia Tech on the road. And at that point, you know, Kelly Bryant's not doing anything incredibly flashy. He's making some plays with his legs. He had some uh, good good balls with his arm. Uh, but it's more, it was more of a well-rounded offense. And it started with the offensive line. I mean, th- their ability to protect him and then also uh, create some success on the running game uh, with the emergence of Feaster and ETN. And w- once all that got rolling, combine that with the dominance of our defense, it was really the perfect recipe for success for this football team this year. Again, a different way of winning football games. Ben, you touched on the offensive line. Um, that, that was an area I think that has been our best unit um, or our, our best version of that unit in the past two to three years. Would you agree with that? And do you feel like, you know, there's any... Do you feel like they're maybe the unsung heroes of this team? Um, yes and no. I think we had pegged them coming into this year that this was one going to be one of the better offensive lines, that, if not the best, that Clemson's had in some time. Uh, we did have some turnover uh, starting at center with Jake Guillermo, you know, unquestioned leader of this team last year, such such a solid player. But to have Justin Falsonelli come in and, um, and play as well as he did, especially when you're you're not just turning over uh, one or one of the the battery guys between the the center and the quarterback. You're turning over both of them, and that can cause problems, especially with Falsonelli, a guy who struggled a, a little bit with his his snaps um, in his playing time last year and in spring ball. Um, so for him to come in and really like without a glitch, he played fantastic all year. Center was not the problem and he was a better blocker than Jay Guillermo. Um, so you start with that core battery and then it goes out for there. Obviously we know what Tyrone Crowder can do. Um, and then having Maverick Morris being able to come in and back him up and have depth there. You got, uh, uh, Sean Pollard and Tremaine Ankrum, uh, on the right side, um, at right tackle. Taylor Hearn is his development has been great. He's kind of lived up to the hype and what we thought he could be just a mean, nasty player getting out on those, you know, pulling on those blocks on those sweeps. He was fantastic at that this year. And rumbling for first downs. There you go. And then uh, obviously we know we've had three years of Mitch Hyatt um, and he's as, as impossible as it might seem, he's gotten better and better every year. I mean, there's been, there's been very little room for improvement for him because he's so good, but he's managed to do that. Um, so all the stars align with the offensive line this year, whereas in, in past seasons, if you have one or two weak spots, you have a guy like Deshaun Watson that can compensate uh, for any of those deficiencies. Uh, Kelly Bryant, just being such a young guy, not having quite the same skill set, especially throwing the ball that Deshaun Watson had, that offensive line was going to be uh, a big piece of the equi- part of the equation. And they stepped up and played as good as they could have this year. Um, absolutely agree. And I think that... Um, they're a big part of the reason why we're here and maybe to, to pivot on this, um, just want to get your feeling as a fan, you know, where you, where you are coming into this Alabama three match, let's call it. Um, do you feel like, uh, number one, are you happy that we're facing off with them for a third time? Understanding that, you know, um, 
you know, could have been somebody else. But I think this is just kind of an apt, an apt thing to have kind of the rubber match against Alabama. So where are you in terms of kind of this matchup? Yeah, I think uh, whether or not we got them in the in the semifinal or in the national championship game, that doesn't really matter for me. I think it's pretty cool to have the rubber match to really um, uh, to make it official. Uh, you, you get best two out of three. Uh, that being said, one of us could still go on. Whoever wins could still go over to go on to lose the national championship game. So it could be a moot point because at the end of the day, it's about who's better this year. Um, what is interesting is that Clemson sitting at that number one position, Alabama getting into the playoff by the skin of their teeth, that's a different situation uh, than we're used to. And even though Alabama is more highly favored in this game, you go in to this game as a Clemson fan feeling that Alabama is, you know, is just a kind of a shadow of their former self. They're they're not the dominant football team that we're used to seeing. They're not as dominant on, on defense. Their offensive line is a weak point for the first time in a long time for them. And as talented as Jalen Hurts is, he's not your prototypical quarterback. I don't see long-term success for him in the NFL. Whereas you look at Clemson, a much more rounded, well-rounded team, winning kind of in the, in the same way, in the same mold of Alabama in the past, where you have a dominant defense uh, starting on the line, you have a dominant offensive line, you have some running backs that can really pound the ball, and then you have a quarterback who's talented and manages the game and doesn't make mistakes. And again, I, I think I would more highly favor a Clemson team coming into a game like this in Alabama, and that's just a different feeling that the Clemson fans have uh, now that we haven't had in previous years. Yeah, I mean, I think what you're seeing here is a, another meeting of the two marquee programs now in college football. Um, preparing for this episode, I had a question I was going to throw out there like, you know, how far we've come, would you trade the state of the Clemson program for any in this country? And, um, you know, I think I built up to my answer being no, not really. Yeah, absolutely not. And and part of that's just because the future is very bright for Clemson and because we've been, we've been along for the ride. And And not not only that, I mean, I think the way that Clemson's achieved this and is winning and the attitude and the spirit in the locker room and, you know, use this as a chance to gush over Dabo, like that's the team I want to root for here. You could obviously say like, you, would you trade places with Alabama? Like, yeah, they've won a bunch of titles and like their future is still bright also. For me, the answer is Clemson. Right, but you also see Clemson's on more of an upward trajectory and Alabama is kind of going the opposite direction. Now, their recruiting class is still going to be great, but program's going a, a little bit two different directions right now. But, you know, we don't know that for sure. We'll see. It's going to play out on the field on uh, January 1st. Definitely. I want to pivot us here to the defense and flip it over to Cody. Um and Cody, I think for the defense, to me, it starts at the top with defensive coordinator Brent Venables. Um, in an interview in the offseason, Brent Venables was asked about this unit coming back this year. Um, clearly, we had Dex- Dexter Lawrence back for his second year. Christian Wilkins coming back. Some guys coming back from injury. A lot of high hopes for this defense. And we all know how that played out. Uh, but he was asked, you know, how would this unit compare to his best team, which everyone thought was the 2014 defense? And at the time... Venables said, you know, the, the difference is going to be with the seniors and the upperclassmen. And um, they just cons- consistently brought it day in, day out in practice. And he was actually asked in a recent interview about this team and what, you know, what made this so special and why does he feel like he he should stay at Clemson. And he talked about this team really getting it and just the togetherness they had and the commitment they had. Um, so it's interesting to note that kind of the change between beginning of the year and the end of the year. Where would you put this this coaching job, this season, this defense on Brent Venable's resume? So I would take, so you're looking at 2014 as probably 
Um, I, I take that back. I take 2015 and 2016 as one or two because you had a lot more guys to replace, a lot more uh, Cadreard Tankersleys and, and Ben Bowers that he was plugging in and making them into All-Americans. This year he had a, he inherited a good bit of talent. So I would take – I'd probably put this as number four. Nothing again – every year is elite. It's about as, about as good as you can get. But I, I would say just because of the talent we had, uh, in, especially in comparison to 2014, about the same amount of talent. I would say this that, that ceiling of this defense, though, is, is probably a little bit higher. Just I think what we saw from the defensive line uh, is, is even better than what we got out of Grady Jarrett and Vic Beasley and all, the, and all those guys. And, you know, that list goes on. So would you say this is the best defense overall, though? I think it is. It needs to get it, it. The ceiling is more fleeting just because of depth, and it did rear its ugly head. That was, I think, that was a concern we all had coming into the year. Not as much depth on the defensive line in, in 2014. They, there was two guys. Shaq Lawson was a, it was a backup on that team, just to give you an idea of how much depth they had. So I, I put the the ceiling, and I think the best is yet to come. And I don't say that in a in a Clemson homerific type of way. I say that because Dex, Big Dex, was hurt all year. Um, he started to look and look healthy, and you saw what kind of difference he made. I think when you when you see all that, all the guys get healthy. Kendall Joseph, Trey Lamar. I think you might see the ceiling, which is, in my opinion, is better than 2014. Yeah, and from an injury standpoint too, we had some serious um, guys um, missing playing time in the secondary as well, and that's something getting them back. I mean, I, I guess we'll see what rotations look like there, but um, certainly can't help. And particularly against an Alabama team that I think is going to be more reliant on the pass than they have been in the in, in recent years. Yeah, I think um, yeah, like guys like Marcus Edmonds, Mark and Mark Fields, I, they could be huge assets in a playoff. And I know they like we get excited about Trayvon Mullen and AJ Terrell, but the sure-handed guys, as we saw in 2015, those sure-handed guys in the secondary that don't buy it on the fake are, are uber important. So I, I, I kind of want that. I think. Edmonds is he's been around. He doesn't make mistakes. He's great in coverage. Those guys could be a huge shot in the arm come uh, come what end of January or beginning of January now. Last question, Cody. Um, Clemson's now been to the college football playoff three in a row. We have a chance to have the most college football playoff wins um, in the short history of that you know that system. We're currently tied with Alabama at three wins. Um, so I want to kind of get you to look forward for a minute over the next five years. I'm going to set the over-under at two and a half. You think we go three or two or less? Three or more or two or less times in the next five? That's that's a great, great question. It really is. I think you have to take two. And everyone's probably thinking, what the heck? How could you only take two in five years because we just made the last three? But I think this, what we're doing is not the rule. It, it's like, it's exceptional. It really is exceptional. I think you have to take two. I mean, and you look at it like this. Florida State's going to get back. It might take them a year or two, but they're going to get back. Um, and then you got, you got, you're going to have a year where you're going to have a little bit of a drop off. We thought we were going to get that this year. We didn't, I just, I can't, maybe you get to three, but I, I think we should be very happy that we've won three in a row. I think that'll be aside from Bama. It's, it's uncommon. What do you, what do you think? No, I, I think it's right there between two and three, to be honest. Um, I think four is more likely than one. I will say Hmm, that's the next five. Hmm. What do you take Ben? And are we talking about returns to the playoff or yeah. wins? In the next five years. In the next five years, returns to the playoff. 
So you can probably chalk that up as how many ACC titles do we win? Well, it's it's hard to say a little bit. I mean, you're going to have some emerging programs when you're looking five, four or five years down the road that you, you can't really foresee now. Uh, but, what, but a lot of the coaches are in. True. Hey, so Georgia is one of those teams you're going to have to look out for. Um, I'm not sold that Miami's a team that is going to continue to get better under Mark Rick. I think at some point, I, just Miami's not what it used to be. I'll have to see it happen. And Mark Rick, you know, given what the uh, the uh, what he had at Georgia, and he wasn't able to really capitalize on that. You're seeing Kirby Smart turning around and being able to do that. I'm not sold on Mark Rick. So, still another team that will be. Yeah. Viable. Yeah. I mean, viable contender. I mean, in the, but the ACC Atlantic, or sorry, the Coastal, has not been that much of a challenge the past several but years. Doesn't that mean that they'll have an easier path to getting to that title game? Yeah. So, well, that's why I'm kind of talent. discounting that. So, it, as far as in the ACC goes, obviously, you're going to have Florida State. Maybe Dorn continues to do well at NC State. They're a tough team to play. I think you have to look outside of the ACC and kind of look at some of these emerging programs again with Georgia. Um, uh, Alabama is always going to be there. Auburn is has turned the corner under Gus Malzahn, it looks like. Um, outside of that, yeah, I mean, it's hard because even the Big Ten has been down. The Big 12 has been down and missed the playoff in recent years. So, I mean, I guess the Clemson's going to continue to be good, I guess, is a question of the competition. I think in the, the next couple of years, Clemson clearly is still going to be on top and in there. I think it's hard to project four or five years down the road just because new coaches getting in and in possible coaches coaching changes in the future safe to say it's not fair to assume we make it every year every other year should be our expectation i think how long does brent venable stay around what if he's gone after four years and his son leaves or it's graduated yeah all super valid questions i mean these are all unknowns and interesting stuff and we can probably dig into this more during the off season i'm looking ahead but i think really what what it's going to take clemson is starting to build that pedigree and that where we will get benefit of the doubt and that, you know, look no further than Alabama, what they enjoyed by not even making the conference title game. They got in over a, a conference champion Ohio State team that was right there. And, and listen, a big, big part of this has been the continuity of the coaching staff. Uh, we did turn over some uh, coaches on the defensive line last year, but the defensive line that came in this year was just so dang talented that, you know, we'll – We'll see what Todd Bates is made of. I think he's going to be a great coach, but I think this coaching job was made easier on him this year given the talent across the line. But the continuity of this coaching staff between offense coordinators, uh, Brent Venables as the defense coordinator, and some of the other position coaches we've had, that has a lot to do with it. It's been amazing how Dabo's been able to keep everybody around. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I do want to pivot us to our awards where we kind of look look across the course of the season, look throughout position groups on the team, look through the coaching staff even, um, and think about our favorite moments of the year. Um, before we pivot to the awards, I want to take a, a moment to recognize um, our listeners and really thank you all for tuning into the podcast throughout the season and throughout the year. Um, we've grown our listenership pretty significantly this season. Um, we haven't done a lot of kind of cross-promotion across too many sites. A lot of this has been organic and word of mouth and you all spreading the word. So really appreciate that um, and appreciate um, continuing to do so. A um, little plug for ourselves before we flip it over and thank you all directly. Um, please, if you have not done so, you're listening to us over Christmas holiday or throughout the throughout maybe some time off work, take five minutes, go over to iTunes and leave us a review. Um, getting more reviews up, you know, improves our ability to get found by people looking for content. You know, if you if you're listening to this Clemson podcast, tuning in from another fan base, we welcome the listens also. I um, hope you find us entertaining here. But um, you know, other ways to keep track of us, what we're doing. Definitely encourage you all to subscribe to us in your favorite podcasting app. 
You know, we get a lot of listens from streaming on websites like Shaking the Southland or directly from SoundCloud. Uh, but feel free to look for us and you can subscribe. That way you won't miss an episode. We're also on social media. Find us on Facebook and Twitter. We'll be tweeting probably for the most part throughout bowl games uh, coming up here. So looking forward to that. And also feel free to uh, send us national championship tickets. Um, and we're willing to pay as much as face value for them. Um, maybe a little bit more. Listen, we office, we operate at a deficit at this uh, podcast, so resources are thin. You notice we don't really <laughs> run ads. Yeah, we're, we're, we're definitely uh, bootstrapping this, as they say. Um, but yeah, you know, actually a serious plug. We The three of us would love to be able to go to the national championship game. We missed the game last year, did not get in. Tickets were scarce, as everybody knows. We're going to be even more in demand this year with three teams, three potential teams in driving distance. So uh, you know, this is a plug. If any of you guys stumble upon a ticket, don't want to make a, a small fortune selling it on the, on the second market, the podcast is here for you. And we're, we're willing to pay reasonable prices, and we understand that's more than face value. Um, but really, that aside, uh, just to, to go off of what Tully said, I think this has been our most successful year um, as far as fan interaction uh, and listener interaction has been concerned. And we've really enjoyed all year receiving um, all the, the, the feedback and the the emails and messages on Facebook, interaction on Twitter, and, and the reviews that you have given us on iTunes. So we really, we really do appreciate that. Um, Jeff Coe, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. I uh, got a nice email from him. Uh, he is from Ohio, I believe in Cleveland area. Um, his son goes to Clemson. Uh, he attended a couple games this year. I think he actually took his son and his roommates down uh, to the ACC championship game. Um, Shout so great, out to Cleveland. Yes. Yeah, so what up? Tully from Cleveland. Um, so, yeah, cool for Jeff. He says, you know, obviously up there it's hard for him to get connected to any sort of Clemson media, and he, he found us um, just getting connected through Clemson from his son going there. So it's, it's kind of cool that we can give uh, a, a little bit of sense of the culture for people who aren't from Clemson or haven't been a Clemson fan all their lives and just now starting to get connected. And we love hearing from you guys like that. Um, Jeff, thanks so much for the comments and uh, the love. We had another Northeast Ohio listener, Michael Hewless. Um, hope I'm pronouncing that right. But uh, another Clemson fan up in Northeast Ohio. You guys should probably get together and uh, watch some games up there. I don't know if there's a huge Clemson alumni following enough to get together at a bar or whatever. But anyway, Tiger Nation, Tiger Nation is spreading. I bet there's you know maybe a Clemson club in Cleveland. Yeah. Not you should start one. I just wanted to say too, uh, not Cleveland related. Sorry guys. One of the things we go back and forth with, and we have in the past, uh, is is casual fan versus hardcore fan. And what would be great, we get a lot of nice compliments, and luckily not a whole lot of bad bad things set our way. But we would actually like constructive feedback in terms of what you like to hear. If it's recruiting, if it's more basketball, uh, football, or basketball, baseball. Um, if it's more in- shit talk about our opponents. More shit talking about our opponents. We I'm really good at that. Um, if it's like in-depth schematic stuff, uh, some people may find that boring. But we, um, you know, we have Alex Kraft on. We've had him on in the past. So uh, it'd be interesting to get like more feedback. What you want to hear? If we're too in depth, if we're not in depth enough, um, if we're just plain stupid in your opinion, whatever. But uh, that would be very useful for us going forward. Yeah, we, we got New Year's resolutions coming up. We got to got to make. And we promise this year not to take a break after winning a national championship. We'll, we'll do some recording in the offseason. Last year we took a break. Just, you know, we deserved it. We worked hard. And we'll definitely work on the audio quality as well on this program. <laughs> um, with that, let's move on to the podcast awards.
tonight in Clemson. And Bryant's going to keep it himself. Spins off the tackle, stays on his feet, and hits the end zone. Touchdown, Kelly Bryant, second of the night. Third and 20. Instead of he's patient anyway. Now we'll try to get out of there, and he is tripped up by Austin Bryant. Here's Etienne. Breaks a couple of tackles. Look out, he's a sprinter. Shades of things to come. Welcome to college football. Travis Etienne. Come on in, Nine. We'll give you a few carries here, kid. Obviously, very disappointed. Uh, you know, a lot of pain in our locker room. And uh, but listen, uh, this is a story about Syracuse. This ain't about Clemson. This is about Syracuse. They outplayed us, outcoached us, and uh, you know, give them a ton of credit. Uh, it, this is this was a football game that they just flat out wanted more than we did, and that's that's 100% on on me. second annual podcast season awards. Um, every year we reserve the right to change the name of what we call these. Um, and we will try this one out for size. We're going to call these the Watsons. Um, so you take home one of these awards, you have won a Watson. Um, who's that named after, guys? DW4. That's right. Deshaun Watson. Uh, greatest player in team history. So the way this will work, um, we've picked about eight or nine categories here. We've actually named each of the categories after the player or coach um, or exciting play that we felt most embodied the spirit of the award. Um, we'll go through these kind of in a little bit of you know Q&A debate format amongst ourselves. Um, each of us have picked kind of our top choice for this award. Um, some of them are unanimous, and we'll touch on that, and we'll kind of breeze through those. Um, but hopefully we'll, this will be entertaining for everybody. Um, and then we will wrap up with kind of a look ahead um, to the future of the program here. Um, but before we kind of get into this, I think one award that we won't really spend too much time talking about is the team MVP award. And I think we clearly understand that Kelly Bryant um, has been the team's best player of the year, the most important player. He would be, he would have to be your answer to the question of if there's one guy who we'd miss the most if he got injured, I think the answer to that would be Kelly Bryant pretty unanimous. And I think it's just clearly because there's, we don't think there's any, as talented uh, as the backup start quarterback, there's not, 
none of those guys do we think could have stepped in and done the things that Kelly Bryant did to lead this team. Yeah, talking about exceptions to the rule, I don't think you can expect, like we're looking at preseason expectations, he is, that's not going to happen very often. Like Ben said, we, we've won in multiple ways. This is very, very uncommon to bring in a guy that didn't throw a pass for further for more than 10 yards uh, up in, up until last year that came in and has done everything that he's done. Um, yeah, he's the reason we're here. Uh, don't know what else to say. Yeah, so uh, congrats, KB. You win the Watson for MVP. Hooray. Uh, so we will move on to <laughs> the first real award here. Maybe next year we'll call them the Kelly Bryants. We could could do. The, KB, us, the KBs. That's right. Uh, so our first award category uh, with some debate here will be the Taj Boyd Honorary Offensive Player of the Year Award. Um, in this category, we wanted to recognize the player on the offense that really stood out and had the most outstanding season. Um, and we actually had three answers for, for top choice. Um, I stuck with Hunter Renfro, third and Renfro, third down Hunter. Um, first of all, we're still talking about 2017. He, uh, if I'm not mistaken, caught the winning pass in the national championship game. Um, uh, but no, in all seriousness, I recall about, that's correct. Yeah, that is yeah. true. Okay. Yeah. Fact check. Um, but in terms of this season, I felt like, you know, there were a lot of, a lot of plays, a lot of uncommon plays from Hunter Renfro that, I don't know that your replacement level slot receiver is going to make these plays. Um, and I think, you know, the reliability and just the um, tenaciousness, tenacity of Hunter Renfro to me stood out the most if I had to name a second player um, on this offense. Uh, yeah, for me, I'm going to go with a youngster, Travis Etienne. And I think he's an easy fill in if we talk later about freshman of the year or something like that. But the reason that I picked him for this position, again, we're not including Kelly Bryan in this, um, is simply because he brought a spark and a different dynamic to this offense in the run game that was a good balance to Tavian Feaster, something that C.J. Fuller was not able to do coming in as the starter, something that Adam Choice is a different type of running back. But this offense uh, was was um was starving for big plays um this year and uh travis Etienne was the guy that made that happen uh busting out in boston college after that game was like tied 7-7 for the longest time and really turning that uh, game around and helping them run away with it it's all the big play he really came onto the stage in the louisville game i i think just the fear of him on the team and it hasn't happened yet but in the return game he has had some good returns set up with good field position um, he's a huge threat there, but as far as the offense is concerned, he hasn't made a lot of stupid plays. He's been good out of the backfield, catching the ball at times, and get, the ability to get him out in space, I think that dynamic can give him another month uh, here leading to the playoffs. You're going to see why he's an offensive MVP. So, Ben, you had Etienne, Renfro, and Fastinelli. Is that really your top three, or were you just trying to go, go up against the grain? Because I know it must have been hard not putting Renfro in your top spot. You have a poster of him in your wall at home. Right, but I don't think – I think as deep as this wide receiver uh, – I think as deep as this wide receiver t uh, group is um, – sorry, I'm trying not to, to, to laugh at that. Um, you know, I think there's other guys that maybe could have been as clutch on this team as Hunter Renfro. Maybe not to the level that he is, but there is a lot of good wide receiving talent. I think Travis Etienne came in and helped – changed the run game on this team, him along with Tavian Feaster. Um, and then I put in Falcinelli just because, again, how hard it is. We mentioned this before. It is for a, a center and a new quarterback to really gel. And he not only did that, but his blocking, the blocking improved over J.G. Amro from last year. Unsung hero for sure. Uh, Cody, you had an offensive lineman as your number one. Mitch yes. Hyatt, defend that pick. 
this is this is a no-brainer. Um, the fact that Ben doesn't even have him in his top three is ludicrous. Uh, you have him as two, which I guess is okay. Mitch Hyatt is by far um, the most important player on the offense. There's really no one that can that can come in and take his place. Maybe Ancrum, maybe Pollard, but really we're left. If if Hyatt's gone, then this is not. This is probably a three-loss year. That's how important he is. Um, protect. I mean, it's it's not just run blocking, which he, him and Herm teamed up to do a great job on the left side of the line, but also in the passing game. Like he's just he's been great for three years now. Maybe it's a little bit of a of a what do you call it? You a, call it a lifetime achievement. A lifetime achievement award. See, I, think, I think that's that's what I'm feeling from this pick from you. Maybe I, Mitch had a good year. Don't get me wrong. Um, he had a great year. Yeah. Just not fun to talk about that, Cody. Yeah, it's, you're like a writer. You want the Lamar Jackson. You want the new story. Yeah, I'm sorry. We're going for sexy picks here. But I, I'm going to stick with Hyatt. I, I did have Hunter Renfro. And then Ray Ray. I won't talk about him too much, but I think he had a great year. He was he really did. Ray he Ray had his best offense. games. You know, that, that, that set us up in, Auburn, in the Auburn game and then NC State, you know, Phenomenal contributions in that game. Well, on and that, anybody on that offense, I mean, I guess between him and ETN, get Ray Ray the ball more. Get him the ball more in space. He's a dynamic playmaker. And you, you talk about replacement level. I mean, Amari Rogers actually, he's coming on, but there's not really anyone else right now until Amari gets there that I can offer the same thing that Ray Ray can offer. No, open, open field, speed, jet sweeps, and he now and now a very good wide receiver. He has improved in that part of his game a lot. And really a second route running. And a second string cornerback. <laughs> yeah, but this isn't that award. But uh, but yeah, random year trap off the team. Uh, noted on the offensive awards, so Taj Boyd awards go across the board. We will not arrive at a unanimous podcast pick for each one. So I guess we're giving a lot of these out. Ben, you better order the hardware. Um, and that's a triple the order. Uh, let's move on to the defensive side of the ball and the Gaines Adams Memorial Defensive Player of the Year award. Cody, I think you went with probably the the more consensus pick here with Christian Wilkins um, to lead us off. So I think this is actually on Ben and I to debate that and come up with a defense for for why we chose our 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 um, respective players. Ben, I'm going to flip it to you. You had Cleveland Farrell as your top dog. Well, I think this is a pretty obvious pick, and it's for several reasons. Cleveland led uh, the team in tackles for loss with 17, sacks eight and a half, and quarterback pressures with 12. Second on this team in snaps, that's big. But more than that, his ability to drop back in coverage and really get out to the edges and tax an offense and eliminate their ability to get their playmakers out to the edge because you have such a dynamic, uh, athletic defensive end, which a lot of teams do not have, I think that is a value add that um, is just you, you can't you can't ignore and you're not going to find out of a lot of guys. I think that's why he was so valuable to this team because he was not only able to um, affect the way an offense operates on the defensive line, but also in coverage. Clee had a good year. I will give you that. Um, and my, my alternative pick was actually Dexter Lawrence. Um, consider guys Clemson's worst defensive performances of the year. Performances in which we lost games. Performances in which we allowed the most snaps from the opposing offense. These games happen to coincidentally overlap with Dexter Lawrence's most injury-plagued games of the season. And I feel like it's not a coincidence that you saw um, this defense struggle to get teams off the field or struggle to get itself off the field, get offenses um, out of their rhythm when Dex was hobbled the most. Um, Christian Wilkins, certainly the glue of that defensive line. But I feel like for me, you know, Dexter Lawrence 
uh, was easily a 1B to that 1A of Christian Wilkins and, and how meaningful his play was for this defense. And I think you're actually going to start to see that effect, Cody, you touched on it earlier, in the playoff with a fully operational Dex, kind of like the Death Star. Uh, it's going to be going to be rough sledding for he, opponents. He had my most entertaining sack of the year against Rozier in the ACC championship game. So for yeah, so for Dex, when you saw him at his best, I, I think you could argue, arguably say he was maybe the best player on the whole team, and that's exciting because he will be healthy in the playoff, or we hope. Knock on wood, everyone, because it can be really fun watching this defensive line. Farrell can't like fought you for picking Farrell because he's. Yeah, playing in space out on the edge. He's so fast. His pass rush, like his his moves that he's added, what he can do with his hands. Like you're talking about a guy that didn't even play. Like it was his first year last year, and now he's he's uh, you know first round, pretty solidified first round NFL pick. Can't fault you, but like to me, it's kind of a no brainer again with Christian Wilkins. And granted, I did write in mine first, so you guys probably just didn't want to put in the same answer. But Christian Wilkins is is my it's the only guy that could really challenge KB in terms of team MVP from a from a non QB player. Uh, he he is absolutely and I don't have his stats, but I'll say this: Austin Bryant racked up a ton of of numbers. A lot of that's because Christian Wilkins is double teaming and just re, uh, getting double teams and wreaking havoc on the havoc on the inside, shutting down an opponent's run game and getting after the quarterback. Um, Austin Brown was fabulous too. He was amazing, but it's all, uh, it's all Christian Wilkins, not to mention what he brings from just a energy, um, enthusiasm, so much charisma. You can see it swag surfing. It, it, it it's contagious. So Let me ask you, Cody, sorry, Ben, I think we'll one day rename this award after him. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I was going to yeah, I've already had that on. He is probably my all time favorite Clem- Like look at this Dabo Sweeney era. We've had so many great players. I think he is my all time favorite. So we focus a lot on the defensive line exclusively there, actually. I just want to throw in as an honorable honorable mention, Dorian O'Daniel. He's had an amazing Clemson career, and he has progressed every single year. He led the team uh, in snaps and tackles this year, um, third in tackles for loss. But his speed and agility in in coverage is very uncommon for a linebacker, and he gave teams fits this year, Um, especially when we do have injuries in the secondary his ability to that linebacker position to to avoid having a mismatch against another team's uh, skill player from the other team against your linebacker was crucial. DOD, Department of Defense. You're going to miss that guy next year. He's an incredible. You can have that nickel sand position, a guy that can, play, like you said, get on coverage, but also. What's he, a 4-4? He, I think he runs, yeah, we'll see in the NFL combine, but I think his stock will go up once he gets, uh, once he gets in that 40 um, and probably runs a 4-4, four, 4-5. Four, four, Good stuff. Well, uh, you know, again, kind of common with the offense, um, amazing contributions across the defense, really the strength of the team here. Um, tough to pick just one guy. Obviously, we rattled off four there, um, so that was excellent. Next category, the Ben Bulware BYOG Award. Um, this award, I think, you know, if we had to describe it, would go to the player that, you know, may not be the flashiest player on the team, may not be the most talented or the most revered, uh, but brings it every play and shows you um, with tenacity and with hard work, um, what he means to this team and, and leads by example. Um, Cody, I'm going to let you go first here. Yeah, I thought Kendall Joseph was uh, the first guy that stood out to me just because he's he's second year. I think QT said he's probably working his quietly working his way to one of the best linebackers. And I don't know if he said Clemson history or the Dabo era, but I think he could, by the when it's all said and done and he's got three playoffs under his belt, I think he will say one of the best linebackers in Clemson history. 
had to play through injuries this year and was still unbelievable. Had to move to back to middle linebacker, which he's, he's moved to outside or will linebacker this year, but still took it in stride. He's not, he's not very big, but man, he has great, great instincts. And yeah, I can't say enough about him. Well, and as hobbled as he was, that goes to show you how much this coaching staff trusts him over some of the other backups to leave him on the field um, in some of those situations where he was pretty injured. Yeah, one one time I think he got trucked and, got, and just got ran over. But I, that doesn't happen in the playoff. That was totally a, a byproduct of, of injury. And I think, again, another guy, once he gets back to good health, it's going to be fun watching him at full speed. I'm going to throw mine in quickly. Um, ben, you you touched on him previously. Justin Falcinelli, I think, uh, to, to come in there and replace – uh, just a locker room leader in Jay Guillermo. He did a great job. I think every news publication and blogger and you know Clemson vocal fan um, heading into the season probably listed Falcinelli as the weak link on that offense. Period. Not just the line. And I think he he showed flying colors throughout the season, picking up that role and um, running with it. No pun intended. But um, Cody, you looked it up. I think we we had a a decent enough um, increase in the yards per carry average on the running game. Over half a yard. Yep. And um, didn't didn't sacrifice too much on the defensive pressure and sacks totals either this season. So, um, you know, hats off to Falcinelli. I think this what he's a shining example of, of hard work personified. Yeah. And, of course, I've got Hunter Renfro. Uh, listen, this is a guy who doesn't take a playoff. He brings heart and soul to every single down that he plays out there on the field. His head's in the game at all times. And, you know, this is a guy, if you look at him in street clothes, he could be a caddy at your local municipal course. Um, he just he doesn't look the part, right? But when he gets out there on the field, he's an assassin. And that's why he gets my BYOG award. You have Taylor Hearn as number two, and I kind of I, I feel bad that I didn't include him. I think he deserves. He's got that mean streak, and he's really yeah. played that out this year. Uh, another one I'll throw out, and we can move on. J.D. Davis, um, honorable mention and props to him, um, has stuck with it throughout his career, has gotten a lot of flack from you know, vocal Clemson fans um, with the five-heart Dabo situation. And um, I think he showed, you know, he's, he's, he's stuck in there and really has earned his snaps. And, um, you know, I don't know, has had a great year. Played in every game of the year. And it's never anything against the player themselves. It's it's in terms of getting the flack. Amir Trapp and J.D. Davis, it's it's all related to the coaches and the decisions to put them in. But, yeah, J.D. Davis has been a valuable member of, of the linebacker core this year, especially with all the injuries, for sure. Excellent. Let's move on. This should be a pretty, pretty slam dunk category, the Sammy Watkins Freshman of the Year Award. Unanimously, Travis Etienne. Uh, amazing year. I mean, this one was settled pretty much after the Virgin, what, after the Boston College game. Right. Um, so amazing contributions from him. Um, else, elsewhere, we had A.J. Terrell um, really, you know, came in five-star freshman um, in, in spots. We needed him. You know, depth depth at the corner position was not really there um, when we had a couple of early injuries throughout the year. And um, he did really well. The future's very bright at that position group. He's going to be a future leader on this defense. Any other standouts for you guys I think T Higgins just I think we got enough of a flash of what his ability is and what his future is going to be at Clemson uh he, he made some great plays at certain times this year you know and he, he had some freshman mistakes where he had early on what was it, the first game of the year where he had the pass interference on the fade in the end zone um he had some drop balls uh here and there but overall I, I think his ability is quite clear and he's going to go down as one of the best wide receivers in Clemson history and that's saying something Agreed, and you can you think him and Etienne could potentially be 
uh, right up there as all Americans. And and I, I think the same for AJ Terrell. I've said it before, or AJ Terrell. I think all these guys are all American type candidates starting next year. Uh, ben, you mentioned Etienne as your Heisman winner in the future years. That's not such. It doesn't sound so crazy right now. Um, and I mean, I, I did I did compare him to Sammy Watkins in terms of when he burst onto the scene, and that's actually played out as well. Um, I, I actually had Niles Pinkney. He's a redshirt freshman, but he, he kind of gets lost in the shuffle a little bit with Dex and and Christian Wilkins. But he's kind of your next. He can be a, you know a zero one technique nose tackle, one of those war daddies. He can also move to three tech. He's 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 pretty. He's got some speed. He's got some um, some quickness. I, I think he. Once Christian Wilkins moves on, he'll be a big part of the defense starting next year. All right, next up, Kevin Dodd, Breakout Player Award. Recognizing a player, maybe it's a most improved situation, or maybe it's, you know, took their opportunity, took their snaps early, and ran with it, and, you know, held on to that starting position. Um, Ben, you had, what's this? Kelly Bryant. Yeah, I mean, that's an obvious choice, right? Breakout player. Um, Nobody expected out of him what we got out of him this year, especially from a standpoint of passing the football because there is nothing that we saw in his past playing on the field at Clemson or in the spring game that would lead us to believe that he would play and, and, and throw the ball like he did this year. He took care of the ball. He was accurate for the most part. He overcame some shakiness. Um, some high throws and whatnot, but he was so cool, calm, and collected in so many instances this year. He never panicked, and that's something very uncommon to see, especially a guy who's been living in the shadows of Deshaun Watson's Watson, walking in his footsteps, having to come in here for a defending national championship uh, team and be their leader. He did a fantastic job all year long. I had Ray Ray again, and I don't want to be a, a dead horse here, but I think with it, what he developed that was so important to this offense was his route running because Kelly Bryant really needed not just the one safety valve that Hunter, Ren, Hunter, Ren, uh, Hunter Renfro excuse me, provides. He needed a couple, and he had it with uh, very sure-handed this year. You can call him sure-handed Ray Ray McLeod. And uh, I think probably the best pick here is, is yours, Tully, and I'll let you say who that is. Yeah, um, first I want to touch on, you know, in memory or, uh, you know, in memoriam of uh, – not in memoriam – in honor of Kevin Dodd, um, I was tempted to put Austin Bryant in for my pick here, um, and I definitely wanted to promote him. But um, you know, just what what he what he brought from that strong side defensive end position, not only in uh, pass pass rush and, and pressure, but also in his versatility and what what they were able to do by moving him to the outside. I mean, um, I'll touch on him a little, bit, a little bit later. But my actual pick for this breakout award, and you might consider this to be most improved, was Ryan Carter. Um, and again, Ryan Carter got playing time this year pretty much exclusively at corner by picking up where um, we had an injury take place. And I believe he came in when Mark Fields went out um, early on in the season and really Clemson didn't miss a beat. I mean, I think Ryan Carter um, early on in his career, we had questions over. Um, we knew we had the talent. Um, you know, he, he was kind of in that that trifecta um, grouping with uh, Gallman and Kimdichi, right, guys? And we, we thought he was a kind of a throw-in signing, or that was a, that was at least like the prevailing thought. I don't know that the three of us thought that, but um, he has turned out to be probably one of the the bigger contributors to this team from that group. And Wayne Gallman had left very big shoes to fill among that group. Absolutely. Um, Kimdichi went on to get concussions at Ole Miss. Uh, but anyway, Ryan Carter this year, I mean, incredible in um, direct coverage. He hung with some of the, the most talented and athletic receivers. Um, I remember in the Virginia Tech game, 
um, kind of single-handedly held that game together um, to, to keep that, keep the... Uh, Is that Camp Phillips? Against Camp Phillips, exactly. Thank you. So anyway, awesome year from Ryan Carter. So speaking of Wayne Gallman, this running back uh, group had a big shoes to fill in his 1,100-plus yards rushing last year. And for me, my honorable mention in this category, at least as far as most improved, uh, shout-out to Adam Choice. Uh, this kid suffered an unfortunate injury his freshman year when he was ahead of Wayne Gallman on the death chart. It's taken him a, f- a few years to come back from that. He had a burst this year that we hadn't seen from him in his career at Clemson. He was fourth on the team in rushing, averaged five yards a carry, got six TDs this year. He's been a good change of pace back, and he's been a solid part of this rotation um, and a big contributor, I think, to this offense. So I'd really love to see his effort in, in, keeping, in uh, you know, keeping his head in there. Maybe he could be in that BYOG category, uh, but huge props to Adam Choice. And I like I like your number two pick, Ben. I did not have Trey Lamar um, on the on my list, but Trey Lamar did something that is unheard of. Something Stephon Anthony, or Ben Bulware, or Kendall Joseph were able, were able to do, and that's go in and be a damn good player in year two as a linebacker. Or Shaq it's, Smith. Or Shaq Smith, yeah. Or uh, or Tony Stewart, like all these five star guys. It's unheard of for a guy to to pick up the system and go in and be as good as Trey Lamar was in just his second year. Oh. He well, could he could jump up next year to our defensive player of the year. That's how absolutely. How good he could potentially well, and it's one thing for him to come into this year and see his instincts, discipline, and knowledge of the system develop, but for him to continue to do that as the year goes along, man, just wait through bowl practice. What we're going to get a healthy Trey Lamar with some more you know time in the in the scheme. What we're going to I mean, just look out for him in that game against Alabama. It's going to be a thing to watch. How's James Blackman feel about that? Just got crushed by Trey Lamar. <laughs> I think he's probably the number one breakout for, uh, for James Blackman. Um, all right, we've got to move on, guys. Next category, the Brent Venables Honorary Coach of the Year Award. Should be Brent Venables every year. That's why we named the award after him. Um, this is a non-Dabo coach, by the way. It's kind of a position group or um, specialist coach coaching award. Um, Brent Venables, as long as he sticks around, we're going to name it after him. Um, but this one seemed pretty unanimous as well. Another coordinator on the Clemson team, Broyles Award winner Tony Elliott. Um, offensive coordinator, mean signal caller. I believe he's also the running backs coach, guys. Yeah. Um, incredible, incredible season from Tony Elliott. Cody, I went back and listened to the season preview episode, and um, I think you said this is the season when we're going to find out, you know, are, is Skelliot, are the, the Jeff Scott, Tony Elliott duo, you know, are they earning their salary? Are we finding out, like, how good are they as coordinators? Um, and I think, you know, number one in the country, 11 and one. Um, really figuring out a very diverse and unique offense. Tons of credit. You know, the Broyles Award was not just given as a token gesture um, to a number one team. I mean, he beat out a lot of strong, significant candidates for that role or that award. He definitely earned it. He And it's not just you think, well, you went from Deshaun Watson to Kelly Bryant. The thing about Deshaun Watson, and I wonder if Tony Elliott will mention this in the future, I bet he enjoys coaching Kelly Bryant more than Deshaun Watson because – Deshaun Watson, as great as he was, he thrived in chaos. But you can't script or simulate chaos. So you need someone that's going to, like, when, 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 the, when the play call goes in, you know what he's going to do. And you know what the outcome is going to be. And for I think Tony Elliott had to work with, within Kelly Bryant's skill set. It is still somewhat limited. He, he maximized it, and he was amazing. And I think, I think I said he's, he needed to earn his paycheck through uh, – through this year, and well, I, I, he definitely did. Well, and the thing is, you know, a part of a big part of Kelly Bryant not turning the ball over is 
Tony Elliott put him in good positions, set him up for success, didn't put him in any uh, situations where he was at risk of turning the ball over, had you know tough throws. And to Kelly Bryant's credit, he made a lot of great throws over the middle. And really only his bad ones were the ones that were sailing over people's head uh, out towards the sideline, which is a safe throw because it's going to go out of bounds. Um, so I think working within uh, Kelly Bryant's uh, skill set and his abilities was an, again another big part of uh, the success of this offense this year and that starts at the top guy with Tony Elliott also give him credit he hasn't put a whole lot on film and that like that's great yeah. all of the the army of, of researchers at Alabama don't have that much to look at they have a couple games hasn't had to with that defense though it's true when it's very apparent early the team's not going to score on you Exactly, and, I, and it looked, didn't look like a great decision at the, at the time, but he, there was a strategic and intentional move to not put it all on film so Saban doesn't have a month to look at it. And now, now you know, in, in hindsight, I could say great call. Definitely. We whined about it a ton this we year. We did whine about it. Yeah. We bitched about it. Until we, we started figuring out what was actually <laughs> going on, and we're like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Speaking of the quarterback, how about Brandon Streeter? I mean, again, a big development for Kelly Bryant. To some degree, that credit has to be given to your quarterbacks, coach. Yeah, it's like I want to give him a ton of credit for getting Kelly Bryant to make to be a great, a really good player, but also all the, the mechanical issues. It's like I kind of kind of waffle a little bit. Sure. Still remaining mechanical issues. Is that what you mean? Yeah, I mean, but you can I, only do so much. You know? Right. He he's done a great job. Yeah. Like, let's yeah. no doubt. Um, name I want to throw out there, and we can move on here. I always want to give props to Robbie Caldwell. You know, amazing offensive line coach and. Um, we had a lot of high hopes for this unit this year, and um, he he made those real. Joey ba- Joey Batson, strength and conditioning coach, doesn't get a lot of love. Knock on wood, this team had a lot of success avoiding injury. Um, you think of all, and I, I don't know that this is necessarily his doing alone. I think it goes all the way to the top. But what the team is doing by way of nutritional research and sleep research, um, what they're doing to kind of keep keep our players in the game. You know, you hear, you hear about that innovation coming from schools like Stanford and Oregon um, with Chip Kelly, et cetera. But uh, you know, what Clemson's doing there, I want to give props to that. And I think strength and conditioning has been, been a real asset to this team. Yeah. I think the best thing you can say about Joey Batson is he's not getting a lot of hate. Because Amazing what happens when you start bringing in a bunch of four and five star guys, like coaches look good. Sure, the conditioning coaches look good. All is taken care of. of Dabo looks like he's smart. People that are calling him dumb now think he's a genius. Anyhow, that's I'm just it's talent. Get now. back, coach. Honorable mention. Yeah, he Father definitely man. deserves. Todd Bates. Todd Bates. I don't know if if he taught the defensive line or the defensive line taught him. Either way, it looked really good, and he's recruiting really well. Yeah, that for sure. And we didn't see a drop off, so you know, good stuff there. Um, all right, let's let's switch this up a little bit, guys. I want to talk through your take on the best game of the year, uh, most enjoyable game for you, maybe where you saw Clemson play the best, or you know where you came out of that game with the biggest high. For me, that game was Louisville. Um, when we, you know, obviously the Miami game was amazing. We kicked their ass. You know, Clemson was firing on all cylinders. Um, there were some other enjoyable moments, but for me, the Louisville game was when I knew and I believed that we could get back to the playoff. And I thought that, you know, could we take our act on the road? Um, were we a team that, you know, could do this, could could stop a very explosive offensive weapon? Um, could our offense get things going in a hostile environment? I think we had all these questions answered and then some in that Louisville game. Um, and it was one of our biggest margins of victory on the year. If if Louisville was when you realized that we could win, make it to the playoff, 
Miami was when I realized that I think we could win the playoff and win another championship. So I, I picked Miami along with Ben here. That, I mean, just for that reason, yeah. was, I think we opened up enough on the offensive play playbook. It's like, wow, this team may be able to do it. Well, and I think part of that for me too was actually just how Clemson won that game when nobody else wanted to step up and, and, and take that first place position in the college football playoff. Clemson answered the bell and they ans- answered it uh, in resounding fashion. And they went out there, ran Miami, drug Miami up and down that football field and looked like the best team in the country. They answered the bell. And I think it puts into context some of the other tighter games that we ended up finding ourselves playing. Going back to the the thought of conservative play calling or um, just kind of bend but don't break football. Um, you can if you can put a performance like Miami out there when it matters most, you know, in a in a neutral field championship environment. Um, it kind of doesn't. It makes you worry less about being close to Boston College in the fourth quarter. Well, and again, like winning an ACC championship this year was different than last year because we, or two years ago because we expected it. Just the the level of pride you had in those kids that won it this year, especially guys like Kelly Bryant. Um, it, it was just a different feeling, and so that's why I think for me, um, it it felt different than it did, and that why it was for me the best game of the year. Been interesting. You don't have South Carolina on one of your best games of the year. I have them at two because similar to Miami, it was it was kind of the beginning of this. What, what the national guys who just kind of right. Clemson here and there, and Clemson has an, an, another gear. That was kind of the first moment of that happening. So I, I choose that. Obviously, it's great to beat your in-state to beat your in-state rival, and to do it in the way we did, it was just like they there we left no doubt, and we did it in Columbia. Yeah, I think that. You know, that is a big caveat there doing it in Columbia. And I'm a bigger South Carolina hater than anybody in this in this room right now, possibly in the state of California. <laughs> um, but I'm kind of used to it now. Um, I expect us to, to beat. I mean, the only reason this the game should have been close this year is because hostile environment, Kelly Bryant, blah, 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 not being the same person as Deshaun Watson. But Kelly Bryant played in hostile situations and played well all year long. And this team is clearly more talented than South Carolina. South Carolina is not there yet. So um, I'm, I'm over getting back at them for the 5P. Like, we're at a different level right now. So it's to me, that's like beating, if, if you blow out Wake Forest or a team like that. You know, that's what beating South Carolina is right now. You guys had Auburn in your top three. Um Really good game, but a little too close for my liking. Um, you know, it was, it, it was an incredibly dominant defensive performance. And I think when you saw what Auburn did the rest of the year against really every other team, I mean, I think in the last game against Georgia, they ran out of gas. But it's such an impressive performance. Um, but I think kind of wire to wire, um, it was good. It was well, top third. But here's the thing. Any other team on our schedule, we beat 14 to 6, we're going to be disappointed in. Not the Auburn game. We came out of that one, we're like, all right. We did what we had to do to win. Oh, yeah. By no means a dud. Um, I think from a rewatchability standpoint, unless you just love, you know, watching Stidham get sacked, maybe not as rewatchable. Agreed. I, yeah, it was like we needed the rest of the year to play out to validate that win. But Auburn, like we kind of thought they were going to be good, and they were. But, yeah, we were both breaking into new quarterbacks. And the fact that we got out of there alive, we were happy. It was kind of a, kind of a hey, things are setting up. DeAndre Francois just got hurt. Maybe we, it was kind of right before the Louisville game, maybe we can make it back to the playoff. Yeah, you started to answer those kind of questions. Um, I'm going to throw a new category out here to kind of switch it up too. Uh, You guys don't know about this, but I'm going to put you on the spot. The Nathan Peterman Opponent Respect Award. 
which opposing player had you saying, wow, we just we just played a good one? Well, first, who the heck is Nathan Peterman? Sorry, he's Pitt's quarterback. Team who beat Clemson uh, last okay. year. Um, pretty resounding fashion, had a great game. Uh, well, that's Syracuse quarterback. Eric Dungy. Eric Dungy. I mean, you got to give him props. I mean, that next year's, I guess, award could be the Eric Dungy Award. So it's it's a great for a great performance for class because like Bradley Chubb could be in there, but if you got to factor in like it, class and yeah, just, don't 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 hold the towel thing against him. That was hilarious. He had a great game as well, right? Yeah, yeah. Lighten so, up, people. He's I would go towels. with Ryan Finley though if I'm going to talk NC yeah. State. He's a pretty good candidate. Torched us. Yeah, I got to go, Dungy. Um, I mean, he he played out of his mind. He had a he had kind of a rough season after that. I think he was going through some injury stuff. I don't know how much of that was a result of our game, but um, you know, pretty pretty good once in a while to recognize opponents that bring their A game against Clemson. I think a team as a whole is Boston College. I really respect the way they played us so tight this year. Yeah, I got away from them at the end, but they went on to have a pretty good year this year. And I I think their quarterback Brown played a good game against yeah. Clemson. He kept them tight. And whatever their coach, Anadazio, up Adazio, there, yeah. Adazio, um, I, I think saved his saved his job this year. I'd also like to throw out maybe an honorable mention, Jake Bentley. He was fantastic against us. Yeah, yeah. Two years in a row, he really played solid. Essentially, he was like our 12th player. He played the whole game this year. You got to give him credit for that. He did. Um, okay, so back to Clemson. Uh, the William Perry Jelly Donut Award. Ben, you're going to have to describe this one. I have no idea what it's about. Um, well, I think it's pretty obvious. Um, fattest guy on the team. Who gained the most weight during the season? And I think we're... This, this is me. This is... Um, well, I think... Didn't Tyrone Crowder, like, laugh at one of your the tweets about that? Do they laugh at tweets? What do they do with tweets these days? What are the kids doing, Tully? You retweet. They like them or they retweet them. Okay. Well, it's got to be Tyrone Crowder. That's a big boy. Who would be a runner-up if it's not Tyrone Crowder? Dexter Lawrence. He had a hurt foot. He couldn't, you know, unless he was swimming, he couldn't lose weight. Well, that's why Tyrone Crowder is number one. Yeah. All right. Props to Tyrone Crowder. Came back for a redshirt senior year. He's been great. He's been good at times. So, hey, one of his biggest assets is being a big old boy, so I'm not going to apologize for that. He's great in run blocking. Let's give him credit. He's gonna that. have a good. He's, he's gonna have a good NFL future. He's great off the field. Great as will Dexter Lawrence. Okay, need to keep the weight in line. Yeah, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> Moving on to the CJ Spiller Exciting Player Award. Um, this player, when you see he's in the game, or you see you know the quarterback flip him the ball, um, or you see him in pursuit of another player, makes you kind of hold your breath a bit, and you can't take your eyes off the screen. Cody, who do you have here? Big surprise, Travis Etienne. I think he's got the Steph Curry type effect where every time he has the every time he has the ball, sorry, Cavs fan over here. Every time he gets the ball, everyone they hold their breath because you know it's like it is like CJ Spiller. You don't you never know what could happen. Greatness can happen at a moment's notice. Yes. Kind of like would you say Stephen Curry? I would say Stephen Curry. Tully, what do you think? Probably pass the ball out of bounds behind his back in a key moment. Sure. Etienne doesn't do that. Okay. Um, I had Austin Bryant. For me, uh, he was an exceptional player to watch, and anytime he was involved in a play, it was going to be exciting. Um, I I say this as affectionately as possible. I thought he was out there moving out in space. There was a play in the Virginia Tech game where he um, they had a screen pass. He went through his blocker and tackled the oppo- opposing player for about an eight-yard loss. He reminded me of Frankenstein um, in a good way. 
Um, so Austin Bryant, my favorite player to watch this year. Um, well, Cody went ahead and input Hunter Renfro for me across the board in the top three positions. And you know what? I can't argue with that. Um, it is a well-known fact um, that I'm a big Hunter Renfro fran fan, um, and he keeps on proving me right as to why um, he's one of the most exciting players on this team. I thought he kind of got a bum deal not getting to uh, uh, shot to try out as place kicker uh, when Greg Hugo went down. But uh, yeah, Hunter Renfro, most exciting for me. And Cody, you and I had our honorable mention runner-ups here, Cleveland Farrell. Um, I think for me, it's how involved he is on darn near every play um, and some prolific sacks this season. Yeah, he's the tactician. And uh, yeah, it's like you said, every, it's his involvement in every play. Playing out in space, he's amazing. And uh, like, again, he's, he, like, he has moves. Check, like, watch his moves if you want to zone in on someone. It's always fun watching the uh, pass rusher, too, just in general. Yeah, I think the, the ends de definitely draw the eye a bit more. Um, so good category there. And let's move on to the Marcus Edmond Honorable Moment of the Year Award. Um, guys, this is the highlight that, you know, a year, a couple years from now, you're going you're gonna to look back on and remember um, very fondly. We could have called this the DeAndre McDaniel Award as well. Ooh, that would have been a good one. Yeah, maybe we can change it, but... Shouts to Marcus Edmond for, for several memorable moments last year. Absolutely. Uh, what do you guys got? Um, Alex Spence hit a 46-yard field goal. That's mine. That's, that's your number two. Oh, I'm joking. Um, the last drive by Auburn in the Auburn game, three sacks in a row, one by Christian Wilkins, one by Dorian O'Daniel and Austin Bryant, and then finally Austin Bryant. Uh, to finish it off. Auburn had first and 10 at the Clemson 45. They're down 14 to six, so only one possession. Uh, they end up at fourth and 25 back at their 40. That was such a key moment at the end of that game and to see three sacks in a row, that was thrilling. And again, that's at a point in the season where you don't know about this team yet, and that's a huge win. I never advocate for that type of violence against a, a volunteer athlete um, like, like Jarrett's did, and that was, that was really, really bad to watch. But no, that's a good pick. Um, I go with Van Smith, uh, interception against FSU. One, mainly because I was there. But two, this could very well be remembered for the season where we didn't quite make the playoff because Florida State, in their really down year, almost came back and beat us. But we got behind the team. The crowd finally got into it there at the end. And we acted as a 12th man. We get the interception. Uh, Take us through that play, though. What happened immediately before that sequence? That was a, that was a turnover going the other way, right? Yeah, I can't. So um, yeah, they had they had somehow extended two different drives. Then we fumble, I believe. Yeah, I believe we fumble around midfield, and they're it's a one possession game. They're about to they're about to score. And we're like the whole season's just been flipped on its head. Uh, we they had no right be even hanging around that game with us. But then Van Smith comes in, makes an interception. My favorite part about that was the lady in the boardroom that called it, you know, the one that always starts the cadence count too early. She gets really <laughs> excited at things, and she called that right before that play, and I got so excited with her. Uh, my memorable moment uh, was also an interception. It was the last play of the game in Raleigh against NC State. Uh, Kavon Wallace picked off Ryan Finley to extinguish their hopes. The pick was nice. You know, it's nice to get a decisive play like that. We've had a couple. That's basically two in a row against NC State now where an interception ends the game. Uh, but the fact that Kevon Wallace is putting it all on the line and going for the touchdown there, the ram it down your throat, F you, Dave Doran, touchdown. He didn't make it, but in my mind, he did. So can we have a F you, Dave Doran award next year? 
Absolutely. Let's do it. Should be a yearly thing. <laughs> the biggest kind of double birds to the opposing head coach. Um, I like it. We will pencil that in. Um, all right. We're down to the home stretch here, guys. Last two. And these are both forward looking. Um, these will involve the 2018 class or the 2018 team, I should say. Um, Cody, I'm going to flip this one to you first. This is the franchise tag award. We need to come up with a name here in real time. But which one player from this Clemson football team can you slap a tag on and say, you've got to come back for one more year? And he has to have actual NCAA eligibility. Um, so it could be a, a true junior or a redshirt sophomore, um, but it can't be a, a fourth-year player. Who's coming back? The obvious choices here are Christian Wilkins and Mitch Hyatt. And I've got to go, and you know, obviously there's a lot of if-thens, if this guy goes, if this guy goes, if this recruit signs. But I'm going to go with Mitch Hyatt just because – you never, you always have to take the five star, the I don't say five star, all known American quantity. Yeah, the known, yeah, off left tackle, all American. You always have to take him over, even defensive ends, all American. I'm going Christian Wilkins just because I think that we have the depth and the offensive line position and the talent on that side of the ball next year to come in and, and fill his role. Um, not to mention some guys in the, in, in the recruiting pipeline that we think we may have. Uh, I think on the defensive line, while we do have Dexter Lawrence coming back next year. Albert Huggins, Niles Pickney, Jabril Robinson, talented guys uh, to step into that role. I think Christian Wilkins makes a bigger difference just because of who we have backing him up. I think this is, I make this argument kind of with one hand tied behind my back because I agree with both of you guys. Those would be my one and twos. Uh, but Austin Bryant, I think, hear me out on this. He can play either side of that defensive line. And we have high hopes for um, Richard Yergin coming back and being healthy. Um, Justin Foster as well. And, you know, we'll have Xavier Thomas coming in too next year. Um, but to have a known quantity, a guy that's, you know, played in playoff games before, like Austin Bryant coming back would be a shot in the arm for this team. And that may happen without needing to use a franchise tag. Right. He's the most likely, I think, of the four to come back. Right. Um, okay. And for our last question, our, our last kind of a word here, I guess it's more of a question, but um, who from this current team will break out next year? will be your Kevin Dodd of 2018. You want to go first, Ben? No, because I have to think about that. Yeah, we, did, we did not write answers, but it's mine's obvious, but I've got to go A.J. Terrell. Talk about it all the time, but think we're losing Edmonds, Marcus Edmonds, we're losing, uh, we're losing Ryan Carter. So it's going to be Mullen. Trevon Mullen, by the way, and A.J. Terrell might make, two, make up the best cornerback duo in the country. If they if they progress like they should, I'm going AJ Terrell. I really think he is all American type material as soon as next year. I'm ready. I'm ready now. This is easy. T Higgins. Uh, again, we saw flashes of his brilliance this year. Uh, get a little muscle in that kid. He's going to be a fantastic wide receiver. One of the best in Clemson history. I was tempted to go Garrett Williams. I think we need a tight end. I think we need a breakout year from a tight end. Generally, Clemson has that. Um, don't go two years without a solid tight end contributor. Um, but I think Amari Rogers has a breakout next year. I could see him um, really taking over. I mean, I guess you, you have to ask yourself, is he going to get the snaps? Um, what does Ray Ray McLeod do next year? Um, what does the offense look like? Uh, is Kelly Bryant, presumably he's going to come back and start next year. Uh, but I, yeah, I'm, I'm picturing great things for, for Amari. I like that pick. Great. Well, uh, guys, uh, anything else to add? Any other snap categories you want to you throw down? 
No, I think we've about covered all our bases. I guess the last guy that I want to give a shout out to, uh, the most unnoticed, underrated player this year, Will Spires, uh, punting uh, such a huge upgrade uh, to Andy Teasdall from last year, averaging up over 40 yards a game. He really improved as the season went along, uh, dropping the ball inside the 20. Of course, he got some some great help from guys like Isaiah Simmons um downing the ball but he really helped flip the field position this year and combine that with a great defense that's part of the reason why a lot of teams did not score points on this Clemson defense name we haven't really mentioned all night Tavian Feaster uh, I think he's had a great second year uh he's he's number he's actually tied with uh Travis Etienne in terms of carries on the year uh, but has definitely solidified himself and that's going to be quite the one-two punch going forward and you know, I expect him to be a big contributor here um, in the playoff as well. Cody, any honorable mentions? Sorry, I just read that Cade Mays is probably going to Georgia, so I completely uh, lost it right there. Not like in a bad way, but I just like lost it. So Cody is giving himself the pat on the back as recruiting insider of, of the year. Yeah, no, I haven't. <laughs> yeah. This is real live breaking news as it happens here. Um, yeah, we'll see. See about that. Definitely taking Mitch Hyatt if I can have a guy back because it doesn't like Kate Mays is coming <laughs> from so. um, I might change my answer too. Well, good stuff. Well, uh, that is all we have for our awards show and for our season recap. Um, clearly, you know, life is good as a Clemson fan and uh, we, we do appreciate um, the situation we're in. And, you know, these are the good old days as we always say. So um, stay tuned. I guess, guys, we can, we can talk now about um, what our schedule looks like from now through the first of the year. Um, we will be releasing a couple of couple of shows this week. In addition to this, we have a basketball catch up between Ben and our fourth co-host Sam. We'll actually be releasing that prior to this. Oh, so depending when you listen to this, you may go back in time, or you might need to re-listen to it. We'll listen, uh, release them in conjunction with each other. I see. Uh, in addition to that, we will be doing an Alabama preview show, and you can bet your bottom dollar you will be hearing from Dozer as well in the next week to ten days. Um, but you may not hear from us before the Christmas holidays. So a very Merry Christmas, happy holidays to everyone out there, all of our listeners. Again, take five, 10 minutes, leave us a review, tell a few friends, go back and listen to some old episodes. We've been doing that a little bit. It's pretty fun. And send us some natty tickets. And do remember us if you happen to stumble upon some playoff tickets. Shameless, shameless pandering. That's right. Um, thank you all. Happy holidays. And as always, go Tigers. And I'm so... I'm so happy for our family. It's not, it's not, this is not for just us. This is for the Taj Boyds, the Stephon Anthony's, the Grady Jarrett's, the New Hopkins, Sammy Watkins. Y'all built this. Y'all started this foundation. And all we did is build upon it. And we finished it. It's been 35 long years. Clemson, y'all been waiting 35 years. It's finally coming home, baby. It's coming home. Favorite player to watch, the C.J. Spiller favorite player to watch award. Yeah, the, I mean, yeah C.J. Spiller entertainment value. <laughs> it just filled me in on a Renfro across the board. I, I, I was like thinking to myself, I don't remember answering that one. <laughs> <laughs> ben, you have Hunter as one. <laughs> Did I get it right, though, Ben? <laughs> yeah, well, you're just now seeing that. <laughs> I won't complain. We have a... Refrigerator Perry Award. There's a Tyrone Crowder, Dexter Lawrence. <laughs>
Yes. Yes, we can. <laughs> gain the most weight during the season. <laughs> really, we should call it the Tyron Crowder Award, but uh, <laughs> no, no. William Bridge Perry, is bigger than both of them. But <laughs> William Perry Girth Award. <laughs> William Perry Jelly Donut Award. <laughs> I don't know who ate Tyron Crowder, but man. <laughs>